Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Jonathan Gang. Normally, you'd expect the subject matter of the videos you see while scrolling through TikTok to be pretty light. Funny skits, cute animals, dances, maybe a recipe or two. However, when one of Brooke Eby's videos comes into your feed, you'll notice it's a little different from your average clip. Her TikToks may still be funny and full of jokes, but the subject matter, living with ALS as a young woman, is anything but light. Brooke was 28 years old when she experienced her first symptoms, weakness in her left foot, which continued to spread throughout her leg. At the time, she was living in New York City and working in tech. It would be four years before she received her diagnosis at the age of 33. Of course, this was a shocking development for an active, young woman like her at first. Every person with ALS has to find their own way to process such a devastating diagnosis. For Brooke, the solution was to turn to her strong sense of humor and look for the lighter side of things. Since she started sharing her story on TikTok, her videos have attracted more than 18,000 followers to her account and received millions and millions of views. Today, Brooke joins us on Endpoints to talk about living with ALS as a young woman and how she's working to spread ALS awareness with humor on social media. The symptoms in 2018 are really when I started thinking something was wrong. Um, It just wasn't a diagnosed thing. So I wasn't really able to share it with people because I didn't know how to explain it. So those four years... I think we're probably the hardest part of getting diagnosed because it wasn't something I could bond with people over. I couldn't find a community. I was just sort of alone with this weird symptom that I knew wasn't right, but wasn't something that had a name. Um, So those four years, I think were pretty tough. Once I was actually diagnosed, uh, I would say it was a rough, like, two months probably where I think we were all just in shock because we didn't know it could affect we meaning my family and I didn't know it could affect young people um we really just pictured it like a you know an old man type of disease like something a a grandpa would get Brooks says she can pinpoint one particular moment when she began to feel comfortable sharing her diagnosis with others so the there was a catalyst moment, I'll say. So I I had to go to my best friend's wedding and I was in the bridal party. I had just been diagnosed, I think two months before that. Uh, And so I hadn't really told any, anybody I had told a handful of my closest friends who were at the wedding, but there was, you know, a ton of people at the wedding who had no idea what I was going through. The last time they had seen me, I was, I had no symptoms. I was, you know, in college for most of these people. So Um, I knew it was going to be a a shock for some people. And I remember we walked in, my best friend and I walked into the wedding and I was using a walker at the time. And I looked over at her and I'm like, this is about to be super embarrassing. I can just tell, like, I'm about to be hiding in the corner this entire wedding. And she was like, or we could get the attention entirely on us and make this the most fun night ever. And so I was like, fine, let's just figure it out. And within like probably two hours, we were on the dance floor. The bride was limboing under my walker. We were giving people walker rides. Like there was just that moment where 
I think we looked at each other and we're like, okay, this, this could be really sad and we could hide, or we could make this a really funny experience and just sort of roll with it. So since the diagnosis, in conclusion, since the diagnosis, I think, you know, physically I don't feel good, but mentally I've been having a lot of fun with it in the weirdest way possible, <laughs> which is probably not a universal experience, but I was kind of set up for success in a way because I have really funny family and friends. Um, you know, financially I felt comfortable. Um, my symptoms are pretty slow progressing. Like I kind of have the best type of building blocks to be diagnosed with something like this and be okay with it. Feeling more at peace with her situation, Brooke decided she wanted to share her story with the world, both to help raise awareness of ALS and to help herself process her diagnosis. This is, I haven't thought about this moment in a while, but I got COVID in June <laughs> and it was really bad. It was like the worst four weeks ever. But I swear I had like hallucinations during it. I don't know what, I think maybe I was just feverish and hadn't slept. Um, but I opened up my notes app and I started writing down ideas for funny videos or funny like bits I could do about ALS, having no concept of where I would put them. Um, and I barely even remember writing them, but I still have that notes app <laughs> list. And I guess I just wrote like a bunch of bullets. Uh, and then when I kind of came out of my COVID haze, I got brunch with one of my friends and I was like, wait, did I dream that I did this? And we opened it up and we started going through it. And my friend was like, you absolutely need to post these. Um, and so I was like, I guess I should try it on TikTok. I have a friend who who's wildly famous on TikTok because he has these two corgis and he's his whole life has changed over it. Like he's gotten a ton of views and followers and all these things. So I was like, I, I think that's probably the best place to post because you can get a ton of views without anyone knowing who you are. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to attempt this. So I made one of my friends be in the first one with me. Cause I was like, if this is embarrassing, you're going to be embarrassed with me. Um, and I posted it with, again, I think I had like three followers at the time. It was like my sister, my two nieces, maybe. And I weirdly started getting a ton of views. Like at the beginning, it was just, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. And then I started posting videos about me dating with a disability. And overnight, I got like a, over a million views. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. Uh, this algorithm will work in your favor if you want it to. So basically, from what I've under from what I've learned, you need people to watch like seventy five percent of your video in order for TikTok to say, okay, this is good. Keep showing it to more people. So it has nothing to do with you having followers. No one needs to know who you are. They just need to like a fraction of your content. So I was basically thinking, okay, if I can get people to watch, you know, even half of what I'm trying to put out there, TikTok will resurface it and show it to more and more people. 
So after that, those dating videos blew up, I was like, okay, now that I know I'm able to get views, let's start pivoting this into very ALS specific content. Um, And I still kind of blend the two. I, I don't like to make anything that like I, I'm certainly not an expert. There's no like medical background for me at all. So I still kind of blend like funny light videos with like a what is ALS type of video. Um, but the more I post, it seems like the more traction they're getting and the more views they're getting. So I'm like, all right, let's let's keep going and see what happens. One of her most popular series of clips involves her trying to concoct various recipes to cover up the unpleasant taste of an ALS treatment. But yeah, TikTok, I think I was, I had been stuck at like 9,000 for a month or so um, and just really saw no traction. And then I posted um, a Relivrio taste test video where I was trying that new medicine for the first time. And I had no no idea if I was even going to be able to make a video when I was doing it because I was FaceTiming with my sister on one side and she was like, you should record this just in case because this could be interesting. And I was like, okay. So I've set up my camera and I had no idea what the medicine was going to taste like. I really, the pharmacist had warned me, but I really had not paid attention because it just didn't seem, it seemed trivial. I'm like, lady, we're going to take this medicine no matter what. So then I started drinking the medicine and it was such a terrible taste that the video just kind of went off the rails. And my niece was making comments. My sister was making comments. I was gagging. It was just sort of like this perfect chaos. Um, And so I posted that. And I think I went from like 9,000 to like 18,000 within a, a week or two of these taste testing videos. So that to me was like the perfect blend of ALS awareness because the medicine I'm taking is for ALS and a lot of people are asking me in the comments what is this for tell us what ALS is you look too young to have ALS and just like you know people who don't come to TikTok for education they just come for entertainment um so I posted a a ton of these taste testing videos and they're largely selfish because I'm trying to figure out a way to make this medicine not ruin my day twice a day Brooke's content on TikTok may be funny, but there's a serious mission behind it. Her biggest goal is to raise awareness of ALS among those who haven't heard of it and to provide a moment of laughter and recognition for those who are experiencing it. My goal with all of this, again, I I always say like my North Star is awareness and I will get that in any way that I possibly can. So if that means putting up videos that embarrass me and my friends, like we will do it. Um, So the goal is just to get as many people talking about this as possible, because in my mind, conversations lead to pressure, I think. Like if you look at Selma Blair coming out with her MS diagnosis, um, the amount of awareness she was able to spread by coming out with it then she went on dancing with the stars like i feel like everyone knows what ms is after that at least know the 
name and that it means something and that it's a diagnosis, right? Like people know that it's um, something that can affect someone like Selma Blair. So I don't think ALS has that level of PR yet. For the ALS community, for me, I recognize it as this might be one of the first places where someone has felt comfortable talking about it um, or maybe the most accessible place that someone has felt comfortable talking about it, right? Like if you know someone who died from ALS, you can go find like a support group. You can go talk to other people, but you might not expect it to just pop up on your phone when you're mindlessly scrolling at night. And so I think it's giving the community just one more outlet to come together and talk about it. So for the community, I'm, I hope, you know, the videos bring some light and levity to it, um, which I think most people would appreciate and are looking for. Probably not all. I'm sure some people are like, stop making jokes about this. But I hope it just makes people laugh and like takes their mind off of the bad parts of it. Because um, there are, there's, it's hard to not think about ALS like 24 seven. So if I can try to like pivot their thoughts into something like, Oh my God, I have, you know, pseudo bulbar effect where I laugh at the wrong times too. Um, maybe they'll, you know, start thinking, I don't know, maybe they'll just start finding more light in their day to day too. While Brooke was using her platform to support others with ALS, she also found an important support network of her own, a group of other young women with ALS, her ALS story. I don't even remember how I found her ALS story. I think maybe my local clinic or my local support group might have told me or tipped me off that there was a group of women in their 30s, sometimes 20s, um, who were all diagnosed with ALS. So I kind of just like stalked them out and joined their group. Um, and it's probably been like the best set of resources that I could have found. Um, they're all women in their 20s, 30s, some 40s who were diagnosed before they turned 35, which is crazy. And the group grows every week like that alone is a story in itself we get two i would say two to three new members it seems like on a weekly basis maybe every other week and so like that to me is just so powerful and crazy to think about just watching the group chat grow seeing that number grow um but yeah, I joined a couple of their calls at the beginning. Uh, I was super awkward at the beginning. I remember feeling like, wow, these girls have just done so much for this community. I, they were like celebrities to me. Um, and then I went on the retreat with them in Wisconsin. And it was such a cool experience. Like seeing other young people going through the exact same challenges that you're having, whether it's physical challenges, which I mean, honestly, we are like a firefighter's nightmare when we're all together because no one can do anything for themselves. We need so much help. Uh, we're probably the slowest movers 
you'll ever see, but also just like daily social challenges, trying to navigate young adult life with, you know, one extra obstacle in the way. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's just been an amazing resource. And I hope that, you know, more people find out about the group. Um, because I think without them, it would be a really isolating disease. Like I'm in my local support group, but it's me. And frankly, it is a bunch of older men. There's some older women too, but it does seem primarily to be men. So I would feel like such an outcast, I think, if I had not found this group. Um, And they're also just equally as goofy and funny about this as I try to be. So like they, you know, they'll do the Relivrio challenge. They don't care. They were in some of my TikToks. Like they're just willing to put their stories out there too, which um, it's it's been a really great group to have through all of this. Going forward, Brooke hopes to keep growing her TikTok as well as her other social media accounts and to keep putting her story out into the world to raise ALS awareness however she can. When I f- was first diagnosed, those first couple of months when I was struggling and didn't really know how to share it with people, I remember my friend Sunny, um, she put on this event and I remember she told people like, if you don't want to share your story, share mine. And that was like the most powerful thing I think I had ever heard because I'm like, this girl is not, is willing to tell anyone for her cause. Like she does not care who knows her story. She's not holding back anything. Uh, in order to help other people. So once I heard her say that, I'm like, screw this. Like, I can't be hiding my own story because I'm embarrassed. It's not like I did something wrong to get diagnosed with this. Um, And so after I heard her say that, I was like, damn, okay, I need to get into action. So maybe my advice is just copying Sunny's. Like, if you don't want to share your own story, share ours, share mine shared the stories of the girls from her ALS story. Um, we, we don't care. We just want the story out there. You can find and follow Brooke on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at the username Limp Bruise Kit. That's L-I-M-P-B-R-O-O-Z-K-I-T. There are currently no treatments to stop or reverse ALS, but the ALS Therapy Development Institute is working to change that. To learn more about ALS TDI and our research to end ALS, visit ALS.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>